VFAM, what's up? For episode 18, I chat with the president of VFriends, Andy Cranach. Andy, who entered the Vayner universe back in 2013, where after tweeting at Gary, he ended up landing an internship at VaynerMedia. And after working his way up to brand director for Gary, he eventually became the executive vice president of Team Gary V in 2021 before transitioning into his current role. The Forever Phoenix holder and I talk about what it was like being in charge of social media for a guy who built his whole career on social media, what it was like mapping out the VFriends project, how and why he ended up in his current role, and what it is that the act, the president of VFriends actually does. It was a pleasure getting to know Andy and speaking with him, and I really hope you guys dig this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy. I understand what people may think, but listen, Discord is unbelievable. Again, back to the community I built, it's just kind. It's, you know, it's nice, it's thoughtful. Tons of moves, learning, unbelievable OGs coming in and helping. And that is a game changer. Our grandparents did not have this. That to me excites me. I mean, I've spent the last 12 years building Gary V. I want this to be my Harry Potter, my Pokemon, my Smurfs. Like, this is a very big ambition for me. I will spend the rest of my life building this intellectual property. You are now listening to the VFAM Sessions Podcast with your host, That's how I work. That's how I work. Mr. Messer. Oh yeah. Subscribe, like. VFAM, what's up? Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Messer Rob, and I am here with a very, very special guest, the man, the myth, uh, Mr. Andy Cranach, president of VFriends. Andy, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is really uh, amazing to me. Uh, it's my pleasure and privilege and honor, Rob. And what's up, VFriends fam, VFriends community. Thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out with Rob and I. And to be honest, I've gotten like three to five uh, friend requests from different Andy Cranacks on Instagram over the last few months. So it's nice to be talking to the real one. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I bet that never gets old. So I want to, I want to quickly jump in uh, qu- real quick, uh, 55 second origin story for your story uh, pre NFTs for the couple people uh, specifically my mother that don't know. Yeah. Um, I have had the privilege and opportunity to work with Gary um, for almost a decade now, going on nine years before VFriends. I was his brand director overseeing the media and content under his team, Team Gary B, that oversees and manages the distribution and recording and production of all this content. Um, so I did that for almost nine years. I started off as an intern for him for his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, and then sort of watched VaynerX and VaynerMedia grow and scale from there. So it's been quite the journey. And then uh, we launched together friends last May. So, and obviously a, a really cool story. If you don't have, uh, you know, you've done interviews that are out there floating around on your origin story, but for really quick, um, because I mean, you've, kind of you're kind of like the story that everybody wants to be when they're they're reaching out into the the Vayner ecosystem of of getting that shot and then just really making the most of it so could you tell them maybe the abbreviated story of you know that the tweet heard around the world will work for free <laughs> so i first learned of gary uh before he was really operating VaynerMedia. he was a wine guy he was doing wine library tv I went to college at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech, there's a wine course called World Regions of Wine. And part of the curriculum, I actually had to go home, log into uh, Virginia Tech's Blackboard system where you take online quizzes and track your course performance. Uh, I took quizzes of Gary's Wine Library TV videos. So that's how I first followed him. And, uh, you know, at the time, I wasn't that big of a wine drinker and, and wasn't and am not a Jets fan. So nothing really spoke to me about Gary, like, oh, I really like this guy, I'm going to follow him. But I ended up following him. Um, And then by way of that, I started seeing him in a few years' time, really starting to talk about social media marketing. And that Facebook was a really big deal. And 
to chase your passions because you might be able to monetize the things that you really want to talk about, whether it's Smurfs or Elmos or beer. And I thought he was right. And I thought he was really adept. And I didn't think anyone was really communicating in such a relevant and contemporary way uh, about the innovations that were happening in communications across digital, specifically with Twitter and, and Facebook at that time. I was entrepreneurial. After I graduated college, I taught English abroad in Thailand, actually, and then I coached basketball in China, and I started meeting more digital nomads, digital entrepreneurs, people making money online. So I came home motivated, inspired on, on what it might be to create my own business. Quickly learned that I had a lot to learn, um, and I didn't know what I didn't know. And so I, I got some inspiration of like, hey, who is someone that I might want to work for that I could really learn from, that I could trust, build a rapport with, and then I can go build my billion dollar business. Um, and I came across Gary's content. It's my, honestly, I'll say it's my favorite Gary video ever. It's called a rant from the hip head and heart. He just records a selfie video flying in the air and just rants at the, at the camera. And I love it for a lot of reasons. The first reason is, is sort of how I just articulated it. Um, he didn't need any videographer. He didn't need the team mm -hmm. Gary B or the D-Rock or anything, uh, which I think can eliminate excuses for a lot of aspiring content creators. He literally just hit record and started talking. Now, not everyone has the communication skills and passion and enthusiasm sure. that Gary has, but um, he just, I watched that video and he basically just goes on to talk about like uh, his ambitions and his drive and he's very authentic. You know, I, I'm always curious when I meet and interact with uh, the defense community, but also just like in general, people who may know of Gary, what they think of him, you know, what do they think his skill sets are, like what he's like, and they always ask me too, like, what's it like really working for him? Um, but one thing that generally a lot of people will say is that he's so authentic and that they're attracted by his authenticity. And within that, uh, that resonated with me when I watched that video, because I could tell that he was a real entrepreneurial entrepreneur based on the success that he had with Wine Library and what he was doing with VaynerMedia. And he had a bright future uh, being ahead of the curve. So I had watched that video and a couple of days later, he tweeted in the morning, what can I do for you? And someone had responded back like, hey, Gary, I'm hungry. And then 15 minutes later, I just looked back at that thread because I was just curious to see what the engagement was looking like. And the guy had responded like, holy shit, he took a photo of a cheeseburger sitting outside his apartment doorstep. And I took that as a suit. like, man, Gary, this dude really responds and engages with people. And something just struck a chord. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to take a shot. And I, I responded to that sweet, a chance to work for free. And I didn't really have any expectations of what was responding. I was like, let me just write this. Responded to the tweet. Five seconds later, he asked me to uh, expand. And I responded back. I just want a chance to prove myself. I'm young, hungry, ambitious. Uh, I just want to get my foot in the door. And then he told me to email him. I emailed him. That day, I'm through the roof. I'm like, Gary, you responded to my tweet. I think it's all going to happen. After a week, I didn't get a response. And I thought that was it. I wrote it off. I'm like, I'm not going to go work for you. Maybe I'm not going to New York City. And then three months later, he actually responded to my email and asked if I would be uh, interested in joining his team as a book intern. I immediately responded. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'll be in New York City. My brother was there. So that's sort of how, how I got my foot into the door at Boehner. You know, it was maybe 100 people at the time. Vayner now is over a thousand people, global agency in London, Singapore, LA, Mexico City. Um, so there's been a lot of growth. Facebook ads haven't existed yet. So I've, I've really been at the center of what two in, in the birth and growth of it. And now I've had the, the fortune to try and uh, see what the future of the internet holds with Web3. Uh, amazing story. And it's, you know, it for the, for the V, for the V universe, it's well known your story, but um, it just, it's what kind of everyone aspires to be. Um, but it's one thing getting in the door and then it's another thing executing. Uh, so real quick on the jab, 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 uh, right hook. I know you responded as the book, you spoke as the book. Was that you just in your creative self or were you instructed to do that? 
Um, man, this is fun. I can tell you've done your homework. That's uh, <laughs> that's exactly right. So first day, second day I came in, and they were trying to figure out like what my day to day would be like to really bring value to the book and the marketing of the book. Nate Schroeder, who ended up being uh, co-founder for Empty Wines, was my boss. Um, and he was like, hey, we, we started this book Twitter account, jab, 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 right hook, the book. Why don't you start manning the Twitter account? So then I would start uh, just like retweeting people occasionally, like trying to tweet out some snippets from the book. And then Gary was like, actually, I want you to jump in on the conversations of anyone who tweets me. And I didn't have much direction. And in hindsight, I've realized that this was actually a skill set I had. But I, so I just started to do that. Rob would tweet, hey, Gary, thanks so much for your message. Like, happy Tuesday. And then I would see Rob tweeted Gary, and I would click Rob's profile, and I would try to learn a little bit more about who Rob is. Okay, there's an Idaho. Okay, he has a podcast. Okay. He likes uh, the Colts and is a huge Peyton Manning fan. And I would do that to develop the context of how I might best respond to Rob. Hey, Rob, it's me, jab, 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 right hook the book. Hope everything's well in Wisconsin. I know the Colts have a big game tomorrow. Uh, good luck. And then, of course, Rob or whoever else would respond, holy shit, Gary, this book <laughs> just tweeted at me. This is, mind you, it was innovative, and I think it would still be innovative today. This was in 2013. Yeah. There are not many books that are tweeting at people in that uh, contextual, contextual, thoughtful manner. Um, so it resonated, and then Gary saw my work and was impressed. He was like, wow, this is, like, really good shit. And at the time, I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, I'm just tweeting people. Like, what do you mean? Right. But after uh, spending more and more time in the space of community management and digital management and fostering communities online, I realized that it, it really is a skill set. You know, I think so often people go to the screens and they they want to market and promote and sell and push, but they don't realize that social media is social and that behind every profile is an actual human. And to engage people in like a meaningful, just like you would in real life, is really the thoughtful and best approach to community management or, any, or management of any content on, on a social platform. And that's something that came natural to me. And I've learned that that's a real skill set for anyone who I think would be a strong community manager. And now that, now that you're saying it out loud and I'm thinking about it in a different way, it's like, here's a guy that built his whole career on the back of Twitter. Um, well, one of the big pillars. And now, like I'm running his, I'm running his Twitter for like this huge book. So, um, did you feel a sense of pressure, or was it just kind of like I'm just tweeting, I'm just doing my thing? For sure. Well, the pressure uh, was probably in the fact that he was in. I was responding to him and his audience, so I know mm. that you were like talk about getting evaluated. I'm getting evaluated almost every tweet, you know. So, like, I'm thinking about punctuation, all that stuff. But once you get the rapport and rhythm. You just go, you know, and, and I was so eager uh, to prove myself. I mean, I was an intern. Minimum wage at that time was $7.25. So that's another little, like, back in my day, I, I can say it <laughs> now, which is fun for me. Um, but really, I just try to maximize the opportunity and learn as much as I possibly could and really harness the skill set that I think I could apply uh to Gary, to his brand, to VaynerX, or in any other future business opportunity that might come up. Amazing. And I want to, I want to scoot through these years to, to get to refriends, but I don't want the audience to lose sight that like, we're talking like on, on May 5th, 2020, you, you tweeted, I've been cooking an FB ads manager since 2013. Like that's, that's a long time to be running, uh, Gary social, you know, and to, to work your way up from a guy that, um, allegedly, I don't mean to throw you under the bus, but allegedly wore a suit to his first day at Vayner when, you know, everyone knows Vayner's culture. So I'm sure that's an amazing story that still lives on. I don't know if you wanted me to throw that out there, but I thought it was amazing. A lot of, uh, young adults, college grads, people that come to New York City at, for their first job 
do so because they want to be in the city more so than anything. Like they're drawn to the excitement, energy, vibrance of New York and being in the Mecca. To me, I had no interest to be in New York City. I, I wanted to be a part of building big businesses and on the frontier of technology. Mm-hmm. Whether I was in New York or Boston, I was indifferent. Um, so I didn't know much about New York, to say in a short way. And I, I wanted to make a good impression. So I showed up to Vaynermedia's office in a suit my first day. I'm greeted by the office manager who's wearing flip-flops and shorts. <laughs> and I mean, it's a sensible thing to do. Yeah, everyone in the office is super casual. And I still got like a sore thumb. I'm like, okay, I wonder how this is going to go. So, you know, I... I... People that are just getting into, and we know that V Friends is a juggernaut and we're onboarding people and Gary's reach is, is, you know, an infinite amount more than it was way back then. But, you know, I I want people to realize how long Andy's been in this picture behind the scenes uh, doing this. You know, it was was funny. Uh, They they have those throwbacks and they did uh, on the audio experience and they had uh, asked Gary V episode 118 where you, he kind of puts you on the spot, like, hey, this is Andy, like a bunch of people aren't here, he's not in front of the camera that much. And and Papa V, Sasha was on and he's like, oh, Andy, the one that made you famous. And then Gary like laughs it off and says, no, like I made Andy famous. But if you kind of reverse engineer that and really put the microscope under it, like you're the man behind the Facebook magic, which kind of started it all. So, and I know you're a super humble guy and we don't need to go down this, but I just want people to understand like, you're not just, you weren't just given a job as president of VFriends out of nowhere. So I just want to put that out there. Um, no, no, I mean, it was, it was timing is fascinating. You know, and I think timing impacts a lot. And there's a lot of quotes about like, you need to be in the right place at the right time, but there's a lot of things that you can do to put yourself to be in that place. You know, I was in a, a point uh, at the end of 2020 where I wanted to take on more opportunities and responsibilities um, and Gary and I were actually we had talked Gary's spoken about this concept that he had called workplace warriors which just before COVID we were actually working on a deal to do something like I'm holding up this little vinyl toy uh, that would be little mementos inspiration to chachkas to put on your desk in the workplace um, it wasn't we didn't think about gratitude gorilla or you know, Flex and Fox or anything like that. We just thought of like attributes and traits around a character you could put on your desk. COVID happened, all those conversations died. I, at the same time, was thinking about like, what is the next step in my career outside of being the director for Gary's content? And so him and I had a conversation and we had come to an agreement that I would do something different by year's end in 2021. I was like, cool, let's do that. Whether we start a new company, we do workplace warriors, we do sneakers something was going to happen. Um, and then honestly, maybe two months later, he texted me. He was like, I need you to start learning everything you can about NFTs and Web3. And uh, based on his focus, as I think people who know and watch Gary, um, he's like a cultural anthropologist is how I describe him in a lot of ways. Like he really, really is dangerous on a lot of topics because he, he just reads and consumes so much comments and, and content around different topics topics of culture, um, but he was so singularly focused on Web3 in a way that I had never seen him focused on anything. And that was enough of a signal to me personally, be like, okay, something's happening here. And whether it all blows up and it all fails or it becomes the future of the internet, I, I saw it as a, a win-win opportunity to learn and uh, have exposure to something potentially really big. Amazing. And it's such an interesting point in time. So it sounds like end of 2020 you're kind of looking for the change you're having those conversations and then you know if if you're in his content like a lot of the listeners are that listen to this um you know gary he went in that holiday like i'm just going to research nfts for 60 hours and he came out on the other side like okay i'm doing this and you're my guy let's go to that conversation you don't have any do you have any idea what an nft is here or it's just i mean it was gary the one that's introducing you to it um (laughs) I think we can all play through in our head, like our journey of trying to contextualize and understand the components of what is an NFT. You know, there's trying to understand blockchain technology, current NFTs, why the value of NFTs exists. I had 
before Gary had really, really gone in, there was the bubbling and emergence of um, Dapper Labs and what they were doing with So Rare and the digital sports card NFTs with the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting, but I, I, I didn't see the big connection because I was at the time collecting physicals basketball cards and that was my remit and I'm like I'm not going to get into the NFTs for sports cards but then by January when Gary was texting me like hey, you should really check out NFTs I uh, literally just started watching every podcast I could you know Bankless was more like DeFi um, but I, I really like Bankless and I still like Bankless to learn about like the state of uh, DeFi and cryptocurrency and then outside of that um trying to study the OG projects of CryptoKitties and CryptoPunks and how things have evolved from there. And it's a fascinating journey. And I, I still think uh, people, it's it's hard to contextualize or grasp just how early we are within the space of Web3. Like I think some right. of the words, like NFTs itself, I don't know how the longevity of that word. I, I struggle to imagine that in five years time, we're, we're going to be saying, NFT to describe digital goods or digital assets, you know, I, I, all these things will, will play out over time. I agree. Um, so he, he comes up with this proposal and are you, are you in right away? Do you have to think about it? And like, cause the sneaker things on your mind, like what was your level of, of being in, or you just kind of have that much conviction in him. You just said, let's go. More the latter. Like I was, I was yeah. in, you know, I didn't need to, iron out like okay this is what it's going to look like this is this is or ask him further questions on it he's like i want to do this i want to do it with you so let's go amazing so i i think one of the the le- seldom talked about not well documented times of this of this whole journey in the early days is Gary clears the schedule and you guys all go to some tropical place and hunker down and, and plan this thing. Could you, I mean, I, without being respecting the, the process, but I would love to hear about that, that moment, that week or that few days, whatever it was. Yeah. So it this, been, this all came to be. It had been brewing for a while. Like we, we, we had uh, multiple calls about like high level concepts of what, what would an NFT project be that Gary created? You know, of course, Gary's on the call and he's spearheading it. Now, most, for the most part, he's asking questions from other developers and engineers and people that have been in the space of like, could I do this or why not? Or how do I think about that or what's possible? And then shortly thereafter, we had time scheduled on the calendar where we were all going to go fly out to California for a week and uh, work on this NFT project. And aside from that, no one had a, really any idea of what we were going to do and how we were going to do it, other than we were there to build, brainstorm concept, and lay out the game plan for what would become Friends. At that point in time, I'm pretty sure we had locked in Friends. though. I had, I had bought Friends.com and done some due diligence there. But inside that, we were, it was really fundamental work that we needed to do. And then, you know, we took the first couple of days to outline what Gary's thesis is, uh, was or was on the value of a VFriend NFT, which at its core was a ticket to VCon, you know, and then we started working on the pricing. Okay. What is a comparative price for a ticket to VCon against some other business entrepreneur, popular culture entertainment concerts like Coachella, South by Southwest, Davos. And that's how we came up with the floor price of $2,000 for a VFriends NFT on Mint. And of course, there's a reverse Dutch auction. But when the Dutch auction ended, the floor price of a VFriends NFT, core VFriends NFT, was $2,000. So we got there and then we started brainstorming what activities does Gary like to do that he would want to spend his time on with the community. That must have been a fun. We we sort of did math around how much time was he actually allocating to do these ping pong colognes and basketball butterflies and FaceTime flies and Kino koalas. And um, thereafter, we sort of had that outline framework of the token supply and the pricing of the tokens. Now the pricing of the tokens 
became a really difficult task because ETH kept on going up in price. Yeah. So we had like a basically an Excel sheet that had pegged the current price of ETH and the implications of that on how we were actually going to start the Dutch auction pricing. Um, so that got a little hectic and complicated as the launch was getting postponed and things of that nature. But after setting up the framework, we he started drawing. <laughs> you know that took up the rest of the rest of the time. We had permanent marker. The, the sheets, our organizational file system, and uh, a long list of characteristics and traits that Gary had wrote down and, and said for us to capture. And then we would just throw it out and he was like, no, I don't like that. Yes, I like that. Um, and then he would just go to work drawing and scrapping it up, throwing it down and rewriting it, redrawing the character. So who's there? It's you, it's you, Gary. D-Rack, I'm sure. D-Rack is there recording. It was a group of like six individuals, all of which uh, have been close to Gary for a, a long time. His former so, husband, Tyler Schmidt, so, Phil Toronto, who's uh, overseas banner fund and has, has done a lot of investment work with Gary through the years. So, so the like the real crew, no outside contracted NFT people at this point. Okay, or Web three people. Um, that's amazing. So he's, he's, he's drawing. And are you guys kind of ideating like uh, th this could be a good character, like the black cat, for instance, like, are you, are you going through this kind of stuff or is it just characters and doing the access and tokens? Gary, it's for the most part, you know, Gary's as creative an individual as the, I've ever worked with, you know, like I'll give him ideas, concepts to then for him to be able to, Take, make it his way or do it his own. Every character he decided to come up with. You know, like if I said Creative Coyote, he'd be like, fuck Creative Coyote. <laughs> you know, but like, he would think about like, clearly we're going to have a creative character. Right. You know, and that's when he's like, I want to do crap. And then he would think about what does Creative Crap look like? Because he like Creative Crap. Maybe he did do Creative Coyote and I like look back at it when we're doing everything and like, I want to do this character instead. That's fun. And it's, it's especially fun because I'm looking right behind you. You had that original patient pig yeah. sketch, which I'm pretty sure was the first kind of doodle that was leaked, not leaked, but posted well, so during before, that time. Before we took the trip for the week long, uh, you know, launch phase of the friends concepting phase, he had started to draw a little bit in, in what is what, what we call alpha drawings. One of the alphas, uh, he wrote empathetic elephant and drew a little elephant on a postcard or an index card. And that's actually one of the drawings that auctioned at Christmas yep. last fall. So there's the alpha drawings and that's how long a little bit on the process of right of his process of the concepting the ideation he was, he knew it was going to be alliteration. He knew it was pr predominantly going to be animals and it was going to be tied to these characteristics and traits. Um, and it, it's crazy what we're talking about, how it's only, you know, it feels like an eternity in Web3 time. But, uh, you know, we're talking, yeah. I don't even know, 18, 19 months ago. Uh, you literally have these characters in Toys R Us in size Macy's right now. Fascinating. So somewhere in the, in the vault, in the archives, is all of this footage from this, this week. Yeah. Amazing. That that's that's got to be gold in there, um, especially as this kind of gets more seasoned and characters get developed, you know, collabs break and and so forth. So series one uh, launch, you know, you guys had that target day of five five gets pushed back. Um, it was it was fun. I the other day I had Cam on the the podcast and we had a, a good chat about the early days. So you you get a small. Uh, from going back to your roots, a real OG core uh, team, and you guys just start building. And I, I have to think it's just a real interesting dynamic because you're doing this, you're building this thing, you're putting it out really quickly, but everyone's kind of learning as they go. It must have been a very, very hands-on process unlike anything else. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, so it was... Yeah, unlike anything else, you know, it was, 
I was still new to it. We were still learning every day. <laughs> while while we were building it, we were trying to keep up with the pace and timing. Timing was really important. You know, Gary had marketed and promoted five five, and we were trying to do everything we possibly could to make sure that we could hit that date. Um, and for those, and the mint was complex. You know, it wasn't. You know, by that summer, everyone was used to seeing like an NFT mint site. Mm-hmm. Next, you just hit mint, and away you go. That's not what V Friends was. <laughs> v Friends was a token directory of every token we had available for sale, all with a reverse time dash auction, whereby you could scroll through, select which character, and then if you wanted to, you could hit in there. Um, so there's a lot of dynamics of basically building a search engine referencing our token contract, which to, to my knowledge, I've never seen another project have uh, that scale, like pick which 10,255 NFT you wanted. No. No, I, I haven't. And, you know, it, it's just one of the the many ways that you guys innovated kind of through, and we'll get to a, a bunch of it down the road, but uh, just, you know, it, it started you on the unique track that this project is. Uh, so you, you get called in to, your, you know, everyone's hands on, everyone's kind of doing everything. It sounds like you, your official title is president of eFriends. What does, I mean, what does the president of vFriends do? What, like, what is, what is your job? Maintain the vision and operations of this company. You know, I don't think of vFriends as a NFT project. We're an intellectual property business and company focused on events and entertainment and content. And we just so happen to have first launched our IP as NFT. Um, you know, we're, Aside from that, I think the real task and challenge I have is to move as quickly as possible to keep up with the times and demand and growing community while also trying to operate and staff and scale our internal capabilities to meet those demands. You know, Recon, we were about 15 full-time employees. Um, We've more than doubled in size since then, which is great. Um, So... It's, it's really fun. It's challenging. Um, and I'm just excited about the continued growth. And I, I like you've said before that you see it as a holding company with 268 unique companies, which is, I think, a really cool way and accurate to, to look at it. Um, obviously, a lot's happened, but sticking on the bigger picture of, of your, your role per se, is there a... Let me frame it this way. So Gary, obviously, very forthright with his his twelve and a half. You know how candor was a struggle for him. I'm curious, what was? I don't know if it changed from the beginning of Vfriends to, to where you are now. But I was just wondering if you had a half that you you had to really exercise and, and strengthen in your ability to lead and exercise the vision and the staff and operate and all that. Um, that's a really good question. You know, I think it's uh, probably putting more trust in others. You know, I, the reason why Friends was kept to the size that it was for a while was because I, I really had the utmost trust in the 13 people around me, which created for a lot of speed, which is really beneficial. But in order to scale and do the amount of work that you need to do, you need to put trust in others and allow them to do the work. Um, so I feel like it's that to really, you know, scale and grow and operate a company, you need to have other leaders to be able to get things done that you can't get done. And it's, it's coming to reality with like, you know, if you can get it to a 10, do you feel okay if that person being comfortable with that person's seven? Mm. And it, it sounds like, I mean, from what I've seen, you guys in your scaling, um, it's coming to light, you know, with the events team ahead of collectability or, or, yeah you know, uh, merch and things like that. So it, it's really coming. Uh, amazing. Amazing. I appreciate your transparency as well. So, you know, the, the, the chapters that, that follow, we could, you know, we could do five hours on each one, but I, I really just want to skate through for the, for time. So book games, it, it I'm, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but it blows my mind that it hasn't even been a, a year that book games has been in the ecosystem. Um, the first time you heard the word book games, 
when was it? Where was it? Did, was it just a bomb that Gary dropped one day? Like we're doing this. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, I wasn't so connected to his content and his content team anymore. I'm running V friends, hundred percent focus only on V friends. I have more than enough to focus on promoting his book. Wasn't one of them, you know, and then as the day for promotion of his book was coming, I got filled in with team Gary and, and Gary that we're doing an NFT with it. I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. Um, the man was unprecedented. And then we run the math after like, you know, the amount of books we sold in 24 hours is unprecedented. Sure. Book games in general, uh, I think is one of the most remarkable executions in marketing book or otherwise, you know, to be able to do what we did with marketing the book collectively, Gary, his content team and be friends, um, and then issue NFTs on the back end of purchasing 12 books and to have that NFT market do what it's been doing over the course of the last, uh, not even 12 months, um, is again, remarkable. And I think it was, uh, in order to get book games live in the time that we needed, it was a full court press. You know, there's probably 20 people working five days a week on putting together the system and mechanics of how we could create book games on a gasless blockchain in a marketplace that most people haven't heard of to then mm-hmm. also create other inherent value for those NFTs outside of just the single ownership of them. And was it a similar kind of blank canvas whiteboard session as far as ideating the whole ecosystem and what would be tied to what and the mar- and the exchange and the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, it, it starts with the, again, just like with the friends, it starts with the black and white map. What are your frameworks? How many tokens do you have? How are you dividing up the tokens? all that. And then you can have the fun part, which is now what do you fill it with? What are the ideas? What are the concepts? What are the characters? What are the artwork? What are the mechanics for evolutions and different dynamics? And boy, like, did it come on strong? Like, was that an, was that an event when people are like, all right, what is this? There's a hundred thousand. Like I remember not having any gas was revolutionary. It just felt like, everyone won the lottery. Plus we're having this. Uh, I mean, as a community, that was one of the, you know, I, if I'm counting them on one hand, one of the most like incredible nights uh, there when, when it dropped and people were looking at the flips and like, holy shit, like the quality just went for this. Someone let someone fat fingered this. Like it was wild. Yeah, a- absolutely wild. So um, I mean, hats off to you guys for pulling that off, um, which brings us to, you know, a, few months later, series two, uh, was the, the whole concept of, you know, series one being the, the Gary doodles series two, more polished version, what the public's going to see. Was that always kind of the, the plan at a high level? Yeah. Like we series one, Gary's drawing being, you know, the Genesis, the inaugural version of that character. Aside from that, um, we didn't necessarily know, you know, May 2021, when and how they would come to life, but they knew, we knew that they would be evolving outside of Garrick's original artwork for sure. So, and this was a really, really special time because the, I mean, there's been education that you guys embedded just really tremendously throughout the every project to this point, you know, V1, obviously like starting with what is an NFT, how to, how to make a, a MetaMask wallet and then the layer two stuff with immutable. And now here comes these massive education sessions, which I think are very underrated. And you guys, I don't know how many you ran, but I, I think they were well attended and they helped bring in a lot of people. And I, so hats off to you for that. But more, more importantly, and I don't think I said this to Cam, and I don't think this gets said enough. The the fr- the friends list and executing that. Um, so it 
people that were really like like me, like everyone listening to this, like the people um, you know going crazy in Discord when Gary's giving away a, a Go Rare robot. Uh, those people didn't get botted out when it comes time to the public mint. So, talk to us about just uh, from what you can remember. I'm sure it was chaos, but the the origin of the friends list. <laughs> I mean, it was it's connected to book games, right? Like we knew one that book games are forever. Two that it they were going to be a unique opportunity uh, to provide value to the holders of those tokens. And once we, you know, allocated, we're going to take care of series one holders. Now let's try to take care of uh, book games holders in some form or fashion. And like a lot of that with the education, um, that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. And it, it, it comes most natural to me in my skill set of, content creation and distribution across these platforms. Like it was no joke just getting people educated to get series one win. You know, it's it's still complicated. Like you gotta go to an exchange to get Ethereum and then you gotta get a wallet and then you gotta go to OpenSea. There's a lot, a lot of dynamics to learn. Um, and now with book games and the friends list in series two, again, we're putting it on a blockchain most people had never heard of. Like if I said, if I asked before book games, the be friends community, do you know what immutable is? 80% would say, what's no. that? Yeah. Yep. 99% would say no. You know, so we had a lot of education to do with book games. And then we had even more so to do with the dynamics of how series two men and friends list would play out. Um, but I, I think we did it. It was, it, it's fun, you know, we, we are doing so much, really, like the amount of collaborations we've done, uh, book games. Sometimes it's, it's nice to take a step back and think about just how much we've done over the last 12 months. And it's really fun. I mean, it's got to be, I don't know how often you guys get a chance to sit back and reflect, but it, it's, it's fun to have these conversations where you start at, at, you know, day zero and kind of work your way forward and yeah. realize how much, how much ground you've, you've covered. So it was always, it was always in the plans to not go traditional public mint with V2. It was always, we knew that it was always in the plans because we did do public. We knew we were going to do public, but we also knew we were going to do other versions, not public. Gotcha. So it was more just thinking about what was the right approach to be able to divide and conquer what, code and should be public versus what do we want to reserve for others? You, you mentioned, you mentioned collab and it, you know, without, I'm not seeking out for anything, but could you just give us kind of a ballpark estimate of how many uh, requests or inquiries you get either outgoing or ingoing, like at, at any given time or. I mean, I, I don't want to quantify it. I just say that, it just comes down to a matter of when, you know, like mm -hmm. there's all, there's all, there's always, whether it's an art supplier or a different blockchain or a different apparel company or hat company or sneaker company or food and beverage company. Um, all of them and a lot of them are interesting opportunities. Mm -hmm. It just comes down to when we feel like is the right approach, uh, and right time to strike. And it, it's, you know, it, it's unlike any co other company in the sense that you have all of these people that are so invested and they're trying to give their ideas and help the, the cause for, you know, the, for the, help the greater good. And, you know, that's kind of one thing that I see all the time. And I'm like, whoa, like, take it easy. Like the patient, we get it. Like the patient pig barbecue stand, like that's your idea. Like, I'm sure we'll get it. So um, is there, do you guys see this kind of thing from the community? Do you take notes? You're like, huh, that's a good idea. Like, let's put it in the file for a rainy day. Well, I mean, we're it's it's a real, Web3 is interesting. You know, I think there's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of contradictions in it. And specific to this, Friends is different than a lot of other NFT projects because we own the IP and we, we did that for business purposes, you know, like we feel that like, if we really want to have patient pig barbecue, or we really want to have 
uh, be friends collectibles or be friends balloons or blueberries or whatever the case is, you need to have a business team and you need to have central authority and business decision leaders and it needs to run within the same organization or you're going to be vulnerable to a lot of other issues, not having direct sources of context, uh, vulnerabilities within the brand and IP itself. So if like a VFRS community holder wants to create and own a business with patient pig barbecue, the, the short answer is like, okay, you want to apply to work at VFRS. Right. You know, uh, that there's so many moving parts. I, I can't even begin to, um, to try to figure out the, the inner workings, but you know, you guys are, are, are doing a great job. And I, I feel like doing exactly all the things that we've talked about from your day one of how you got in and applying what Gary says, and you're just doing it. Like, I love, I love the brick. Like you're notorious now for the brick emoji and it's just like all right talk about floor price like we're gonna build all right we're in a bear like all right we're building like yeah. it's just it's just another day at the office uh, and i i really like and as a, as a as a fan and a member of the community i love it and then as like a person as someone that's like grinding and building myself i i love it even more and i just connect to it so um, i love that man and i just i just think it's true like if you can fall in love with the brick, you're good. Yeah. You know, everyone, everyone always wants to go to tomorrow and like reach for that when they, all they need to do is focus and reach on like, what do they need to achieve today to the best of their ability and do that day in and day out and pick your head up and you might be the testament. <laughs> um, I want to, as we, I'm looking at the time here, as we kind of, start to wrap this up, I, I wanted to talk about uh, community. So the reason I got, one of the reasons that pushed me to start this project is one, I want to be able to, I think, I believe in this project more than anything. And the stories that I'm asking about the origin stories, I think are going to be amazing to look back at and even as soon as five years, but I'm just as bullish on the community, which is a word that's been thrown around, um, almost carelessly often. What does that word mean to you, community? Um, it's, the, it's the livelihood of existence. It's the, 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 the where you find meaning um, specific to be friends. I think it's the foundation of who we are as a brand and company, you know, and, and I don't think we ever try to short sight the value of upholding our brand and upholding our community, you know, and, and I get hit up a lot from people trying to build a web three, create projects, um, whether it's a PFP project and they have a big team behind them, or it's just a single artist who's really talented, but sees the opportunity and trying to do something with web three. And the only thing I tell them is, you know, most everything that I could Sorry, most everything that I can tell you is black and white that Google can tell you. You know, if you want to create a smart contract, if you want to make an NFT, there's literally blog posts. Yep. The thing that you can't learn about or just understand and press buttons to get done is build a community. That is the magic. That is the 1%. That is the one thing that you can't just pay for. It creates real thought, strategy, care, energy, and time to build a community. And I think like anyone who wants to build a project needs to do the first thing, which is build a community and then build a project. You can build a community around your project, but you need to be focusing on equal parts every day on nurturing, fostering, listening, and developing the community. Do you feel, and you guys are, are deep in the community. And I know you guys, there's always people from the team and on spaces and things. Do you guys have a sense of, of pride when you see here or see here, whatever about some of the initiatives going on in this community? Absolutely. I mean, and I never try to take it for granted, not necessarily. Uh, I take pride in, you know, like, or it makes me happy. I saw a community member um, 
she had a tragic thing happen with her father. Her father passed away. Yeah, Maya Parker. Um, devastating, but it made me so happy to see that the community knew that and were supporting her. You know, and that made my like heart full a little bit to know that uh, she just had support, and that support was funneling through the, the V Friends community. Um, but aside from that, I just never try to take for granted who the V Friends community is at large. You know, and I said that when I was at VCon, that uh, Gary actually, I think, said it on stage, like the hypocrisy of attendees at VCon being dicks to each other, being rude to each other, or disrespectful or impolite would be terrible. You know, and I think that's the exact opposite of what I experienced. And I feel like in general, the V Friends community is actually, we actually are kind. <laughs> And we actually are thoughtful and we actually are entrepreneurial and creative and courageous and reflect a lot of these attributes and traits. And I think if uh, we can continue to storytell around these characters with the community that we have behind us, we have a real shot at making an impact, not just within our community, but around with others outside of our community, which, you know, what greater meaning could a business have than that? I love it. And, you know, one of my, I, we could talk about VCon forever. I'm realizing that we, we didn't, but the, the one thing that I'd like to tell you is that the one thing that I, I couldn't believe the bar was so high about from the experience and the people, uh, the level of kindness that from the team all the way down into the community that we're talking about, uh, was at an all time high exceeded the highest expectations. Just, I, I couldn't believe it. And I think a lot of people saw that, like they couldn't believe that, like, you and Gary and the D-Rocks and Dustin, whoever it is from the team, like are just that nice and authentic. And it's like, uh, you know, meeting like these these people that you see on the screen all the time and, and you're like, no, that can't be real. Like, no, it, it is real. And it's, it's that kind of thing that trickles down to, you know, the long tail of it is the is the community, what you see. So, you know, and hats off to you. Thank you, man. For um, being a, a huge pillar in that. It means a lot to me, man. You know, Gary is an anomaly of a human. I think if you if you spend time with him, or even if you just watch him, you can tell the amount of intuition and energy and passion and entrepreneurial DNA that man has is on a different tier than most anyone I've ever met. Uh, with that said, though, you know the, everyone you just mentioned, myself included, the reason we act how we act is because it stems from him. You know, when I think about how am I talking with a community member, it's because I've seen Gary take five minutes out of his day while he's walking or when it makes no sense based on his calendar to talk to Rob because Rob is trying to figure out how to get his sticker business up and running. Yeah. You know, and like in just like a real genuine provided value kind of way. And like, uh, I just try to live by that ethos. And I think it is how you build a community and it's deeper than a lot of what I think marketers think it is, you know, it's human connection. Um, amazing. Uh, I, I, I see three minutes. I, if, if we have time, I just want to do a quick little rapid fire. If you, if you're all right with that. I, I don't think I'm the back end for now. So awesome. So I, I call it a uh, micro macro spitfire. So I'm just going to rattle off some questions, give a macro yes, no answer, or get the microscope out and get really, um, you know, details as to why you're answering what you are. Um, what character do you need to spend the most time with? Meaning you want the, by osmosis, you want more of that juju. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> the world would be this character behind me, which is optimistic honor. Me personally, I'll just say patient pain, man. It's a, it's, it's, I stay with them every day, but that's that's the motto. If you can stay patient and work hard, you don't have anything else to worry about. If someone is just getting into V Friends now for the first time, who's one person they need to follow? Just getting into V Friends, one person I need to follow. Myself. Favorite teacher you've ever had and, and why? Favorite teacher I've ever had and why? Man, Miss Taylor in sixth grade 
because she cared about her students and made connections with all of them um, and just inspired what I would say the soft skills are. There was a show that lasted one episode called In Interrupted with Gary V. If the show came back and a V friend hosted it, which character would host that show? Hot shit hornet. <laughs> I love that. What's a secret talent that you have that most people don't know? Secret talent I have that most people... Um, I can speak a little Thai. Oh, that's right. You are a traveler. Favorite? What was the favorite place you've... You travel to? Probably um, the two places. That, so I, I live in Thailand for you, and I, I studied abroad in Switzerland in uh, Riva San Vitale. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I, I would say Riva in Switzerland. Amazing. Where is the V Friends bus right now? The V Friends bus right now is probably driving around New York City somewhere. It's no oh, so go V Friends bus. It, it's, a, it's a wrap design on a bus that we're Oh, gotcha. Um, if you had, if you had to, if something happened where you had to lose all of your social media platforms, but you could only keep one, what would you keep? Man, Instagram is my phone book, you know, so I'd probably keep Instagram. Are you bougie hotel or hiking and camping guy? Depends on the week. Uh, what was your favorite IP as a kid? I have a lot. Um, favorite IP as a kid. Depends on the year. I want to give, like, Power Rangers when I was really young were crazy. I love the Green Ranger. I remember the Green Ranger went bad. I cried all day. At, at like, uh, pre I was still in preschool, first grade when that happened. Power Rangers, Rugrats. I'm a Harry Potter fan, but not to the level of other Harry Potter fans. So I don't like to say that. But those are the three that come to mind. Oh, man. You're bringing it back. I remember 4 o'clock, 4.30 after school every day, Power Rangers. This is crazy, yeah. Your favorite concert you've ever been to? Favorite concert I've ever been to? It's like... It's a lot of ties. My first concert ever was 311 when I was in high school. So that sticks out to me just because it's my first concert ever. Um, there's an artist named Tom Meech, who I went to go see with one or two friends a couple years ago in Brooklyn. Um, incredible artist. And it was a small event with maybe 40 people there, really intimate. Um, and that sounded out to me as like a once in a lifetime experience. That was just really special. Right, I have two more. What was your your go to rap album in high school? What was the die. anthem? Um, first Eminem, but I'll say Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G. Can't go wrong. I was I was Martha Marshall Mathers LP. That was that was yeah, for me. Like Marshall Mathers LP, the Eminem show, uh, which I listened to the other day. So good. Um, I, that album was really what put me on the hip hop, like where I was like, rap, hip hop is my music of choice. And it was after that when I really started to be like, okay, now who's like Biggie and who's Tupac? And like, I really, really got in the game. And then that's when I, I codified Biggie as the best rapper ever and ready to die as probably, uh, the greatest rap album ever. Amazing. Usually the last question is if you could have... If you could ask Gary one question, what would it be? But I'll, since you are with him, um, probably all day, every day connected, I will ask if you could ask any member of the community one question uh, off the record, what would it be? Um, ask community question. I mean, what can I do for you? I love that. And that, that is the fr stemming down from Gary. That is just a, a notorious thing that has impacted me and changed my life literally from D rock doing it. And now you doing it in an AMA. Like I, I can't thank you and the, the whole team uh, enough. 
you guys are really doing something special. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Um, thank you, man. Thank you for the time, Rob. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, I, I got to check out the other episodes now, but I, I wish you all the best and thank you again for the opportunity. Will do. And I, uh, I will uh, say what's up in Miami in a couple weeks. Nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to Miami. I think it's going to be a great time. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm pumped. I'll definitely uh, find you and uh, dap it up. Thank you so much, Andy. Wish you uh, the best holiday ever. And uh, we'll talk soon. You as well. Great Thanksgiving. Thanks, Bob. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the VFAM Sessions podcast. It would truly make my day if you took just five seconds to subscribe to the podcast. And if I'm lucky, maybe another five to share out the episode on Twitter so that you and the other members of the community will be able to enjoy all the amazing stories that this family has to offer for the next 55 years. Appreciate you, fam.